Well, hello and welcome to the Goof Woman channel. Today, I have Lynn with me. Uh, Lynn is actually my immigration attorney. Um, John, thankfully, was very persistent and insistent on the fact that we should get an attorney. And we'll get into the uh, other video where we'll talk about if you should get an attorney and what are the things you should look at. But I'm very grateful that we got Lynn. Um, she's been able to answer a lot of questions for me, but there are so many questions um, that I think a lot of people have, Lynn. When it comes to US visas uh, um, and specifically when it comes to as a spouse, whether their spouse is coming on H1B or uh, they want to get married to somebody who is a green card holder mm -hmm. or a, a, a citizen in India. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, the citizen in US. So starting with, let's talk about somebody loves somebody who's a green card holder mm -hmm. in US. Yeah. What does the process look for them? Um, and if the partner is not in US? The partner is not in US. Okay, perfect. Hi everyone, and I'm so happy to be on this show. And um, Jen approached me about doing like a Q&A, and I was like, yeah, of course, sounds awesome, sounds like fun. So yeah, thanks for having me. Um, but as far, so you're talking about a spouse of someone who lives abroad, and they've fallen in love with a green card holder here, and how that all that whole process will work as mm -hmm. far as the spouse coming to the U.S. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the very first thing it, that has to happen is the spouse has to file a petition. Um, with U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, and I'll refer to them as USCIS. Um, but the first part, like I said, is filing that petition with USCIS and waiting for that petition to get approved. That can take about, it kind of depends on the service center that it's processing at, but I generally like to tell people at least a year for most things um, on average. Sometimes it's going to be a little bit longer sometimes a lot longer, and sometimes it can be shorter. So but so the petition has to get filed and approved, and then after it gets approved, it will go to the National Visa Center, which is another agency that's kind of like the in-between agency with, of USCIS and the US consulate abroad. So once USCIS has finished approving their petition, approving the petition, they'll forward it to the National Visa Center, and then at that stage, um, there's the online visa application that gets filled out. There's certain documents that have to get uploaded to their portal. Um, for example, like birth certificates, marriage license, police certificate clearance letters, the petitioner, which is the green card holder, that I refer to that person as a petitioner, um, their taxes, their tax information, their financials, um, that all of that information gets uploaded. And then it takes, it can take a little bit for the National Visa Center to review all of that information, and if everything looks good, they will um, say that the case is documentarily qualified. And then at that stage, it's them coordinating with the U.S. consulate to schedule that interview. And then this one year is not that whole period. Oh, no. No, that's, that's a little bit longer. And when yes. you say that they have to petition, what is this petition called? It's the I-130 petition. Okay. Um, Petition for alien relative. Okay, but it's not the spouse visa or fiance visa. That's not what we're talking about right now. Right, right. The petition is just the petition that kickstarts the process okay. of bringing the spouse over. Got it. Yeah. So that's what happens in a green card uh, mm -hmm. holder's case. Well, let's say in a citizen's case, what mm -hmm. happens then? Because then there are two routes for them, spouse and fiance. Right. And what are the timelines for both? And when and how can they apply for that? Yeah, so for... 
so this is assuming again that the spouse is abroad. Yeah. Okay. So this for the spouse, um, even if it's a U.S. citizen, that process I just explained um, is the same. Okay. Essentially, it's the same procedure. You file the petition, go through the National Visa Center, and then eventually the interview gets scheduled with the consulate. And then um, with the fiance route, that is only available for U.S. citizens to do. Okay. Um, they're the only ones who can petition for fiancés, and how that works is, again, the first thing that has to happen is a fiancé petition that's filed with USCIS, and then that gets um, processed, and if it gets approved, USCIS will then transfer the case to the consulate, mm -hmm. and then the consulate will reach out and say, hey, okay, we've gotten your case, we're ready to move forward, and then um, there's an online visa application that gets filled out. It's a little different than the visa application for a spouse. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's still a visa application. And then um, the individual, act well, the fiancé abroad actually can schedule, well, I guess it depends on the consulate. I'm trying to think. Because I know I had a client whose fiancé was in Mexico, and the Mexican consulate reached out and said, you know, here's your interview date. Come to the interview on this date for the yeah. fiancé visa. But I know with some consulates, I believe the fiancé can schedule the interview. Got it. Okay. So, okay, so one of the two things will happen. Yeah, so with a fiancé visa, um, the, I would say that generally speaking, it depends on the consulate. You can li you'll likely be together sooner with a fiancé visa. Okay. But it might take, it's probably going to take a little longer for you to get the actual green card versus a, going the, just the spouse visa route. And here's why. Yeah, so here's why. So with a fiancé visa, um, like I said, eventually you get scheduled at the consulate to get interviewed, you get a visa put in your passport, the fiancé visa, and then you come to the U.S., and then within the 90 days of arriving, you have to get married right. to your U.S. citizen um, fiancé. And then once you're married, then you can file for the green card application here. Right. So you file for the green card in the States, you'll eventually have an interview at the local USCIS office. So whereas with a spouse visa, you, you're going to probably be apart longer, but once you have the interview, if everything goes well and they approve you and they put that immigrant visa in your passport and you come to the U.S., then your green card gets mailed to you. So you don't have to separately apply, apply for, for the green card. So yep. here's the other thing. Uh, if you haven't gotten married to your fiancé and they come here, it's faster for them to come here. You can be together sooner and then you have to get married in 90 days. But with spouse, now let's say the spouse isn't abroad, will U.S. government identify or validate your marriage in India? Yeah. But we'll have to have a court marriage in India. It has to be, the marriage has to be performed under the laws of whatever country you're from. Whatever country yep. you are from, mm -hmm. your partner is from. Correct. As long as it's recognized as a legal, valid marriage under their laws. What if I went to a third country? Let's say I went to Mexico to get mm -hmm. married. Yeah, that's would, totally fine. They would also yeah. agree with that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So whichever country, that country laws are applicable for you to get married if you can get a you know, a document from them yep. saying they got married here, you're good to go. Yes. Uh, now, here's the tricky part, which people don't understand. While uh, you're in fiancé visa, you come here, then you apply for green card, mm -hmm. of course. But even when you're a spouse visa, uh, does your green card come before you arrive? No, it usually comes after. So what happens with the spouse visa and with any immigrant visa is, so you'll get the immigrant visa in your passport and you arrive in the U.S., and then um, there's an immigrant fee that you pay, mm -hmm. and it's paid online, and that's what produces your green card. Right. So that green card will get mailed to your U.S. address that you gave to the officer at the interview. Right. 
So they recommend that you pay the immigrant fee like right before you're going to leave. Yeah. You can you can just pay that immigrant fee so then at least your green card's getting processed. Sometimes people don't pay it and they come here first and then they pay it. So that's fine. Usually it takes up to 120 days for that green card to get produced and mailed. Not bad. Yeah. Actually, I had a client tell me recently, just the other week, that it was like 30 days that they came and then they got the green card mailed. But how was, how much was their time to get the spouse visa? How much was that waiting period like? Uh, it varies by country, to okay. be honest. Um, what are we looking at for India and Mexico right now? Oh, Mexico's a very long time. Really? Yeah, through the Suidad Juarez Consulate in Mexico, yeah. and that's pretty much like one of the busiest consulates in the world. And I would say if a, you, if a person was from start, that like filing that initial petition until the actual interview for the green card, it's probably at least three years. Wow. Yeah. And a, what would that be for an Indian spouse? That's a good question. I don't think it's as long, um, but the consulates, the thing is they don't give you... They don't exactly. tell you their timeline. But I would say it's definitely one plus year. Yes, absolutely. I would say at minimum, that's like you're lucky if it's only a year. Oh, you're so, lucky. Yeah. yeah. I so, don't think it's going to be the three years like Mexico, right. but year and a half, two years. Yeah. So that's, that's still the timeline that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing that, of course, either you're going to be away from your partner and if your partner comes in and waits for the green card, they lose their ability to work because then there is right. a, a secondary document which... I don't know. But I was really, really ignorant about a lot of things. And that is why I think I'm doing this. Not that because I have the most information, because I feel like somebody who's starting from scratch and is as ignorant that I was could get their basic information in. And if you like this uh, series and if you have more questions, then of course we can have Lynn back again. But this is really very, very primary uh, information. And I'm sure a lot of people might know a lot more is they don't get their work permit. They do not, so they have to wait for their uh, EAD. Thankfully, the work permit comes before the green card. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was lucky enough that I got my work permit in, I would like to say, eight months. Mm-hmm. But that's, do you think that's a good timeline? That's about average. I know that USCIS is trying to work on moving faster on those. And in fact, I think sometime this year, they're going to introduce premium processing for work permits, which right. is like an expedited where you pay an extra fee to get your work permit expedited. Yeah. Um, where I think it's, uh, they would, if you pay that fee, I think they do it within 30 days. Right. Like they'll produce it within 30 days. But it hasn't, that hasn't rolled out yet. Right. So that's the kind of amount of time that you're looking at bringing in a partner, having them give up whatever they're working at. They can't work. They can drive and they can get like state driver license or if, they can have six months of that. Social security number of mine also came around eight-ish, ten-ish months. Uh, still waiting for it in the... No, actually it came in the... So I got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the 10th t- month mark. Um, so that's that. And then there's something called this travel permit, mm-hmm. which is which I was very sad to know. And that was the turning point in my life because I was hoping and expecting that that mm-hmm. would come in between three to six months and I would be able to go see my family. But currently that timeline looks like almost the same as the green card timeline. Yeah, so... I would say just at the end of last year, I was still getting what we call the combo card. Mm -hmm. So it's the work permit and the travel permit that comes as one document. Um, But then I had another client, same same type of case, and she actually got her work permit in two months, which was like shocking. I I was (laughs) like, what happened? Sometimes they surprise you. Sometimes the government surprises you, and they're super fast. Um, But yeah, so her, her work permit came. And then she was like, oh, my travel permit didn't get approved. And I was like, oh, it didn't? That's so strange. And so then 
um, as I was looking into it, I found out that in fact there was a new policy with USCIS that was that basically said in an effort to try to speed up the work permits, yeah. we're separating the two. Although I did have another client maybe a couple weeks ago, different type of green card case, but it's the same. She's waiting for her green card, and we applied for the work permit and travel permit, but she got the combo card, and this was just a couple weeks ago. Wow. So I, I don't have an answer as to why it's like that. Yeah. Sometimes with the government, you just kind of have to wait and watch what happens. And I think the last time I looked with the travel permit, it was around I want to say about a year for processing okay. the travel permit. Okay. So if that's really the case, then I'm in, I have good news, but I can't say right now. But I think what the main crux of this is that please be ready for the worst case scenario because I wasn't because I was like, yeah, hell yeah. Uh, I'll apply for this. At least I can go see my family in three to four months because that was um, what was happening back then. But now things have changed. The other interesting part that I didn't know was till the time your work permit does not come, this EAD doesn't come. You can't even travel uh, domestic on airlines and flights and they could like stop you from doing that. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, in fact, my EAD has this line that says that, hey, now you can use this as an identification card. Um, to travel across the country. And I was like, whoa, I had no idea. Thankfully, we were doing a lot of road trips uh, and I wasn't getting on the flights. But basically what it meant was that I don't have a country recognized or state recognized um, ID card for which I can't get on a flight. You should be able to use your passport though to travel domestically. Correct. Yeah. But would they have said that, hey, your um, whatever visa you, you, you were on has expired, like in my case. Yeah. So now on what grounds are you staying here? For the most part, with like TSA agents, they're not really going to dig into that. Yeah. As long as you have a valid government-issued ID, like a passport, okay, that should be fine. Now, that's not to say that it could never happen where Things they might not question you, wrong, right? Yeah. But, I mean, I've had a lot of clients who've traveled um, who, you know, whether they're an overstay or whatever it may be, but they have a valid passport, government-issued right. passport, and they've been fine traveling domestically. Great, great. So I, I feel like, comment below if you guys have had personal experience on that. Uh, but I feel like one thing that happens when you're applying for certain things, and a lot of things we take for granted when we are in our own country, is that, of course, we belong here. Of mm. course, mm -hmm. I have the right to travel. Of course, I, I can do what I want to. But the minute you are on foreign land, you're like constantly second-guessing every step, mm -hmm. and you just want to be extra doubly sure. So this is, this is great yeah. to hear, Lynn, that... Um, I was fine, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> the other very, very uh, popular visa that Indians like to come on uh, is the H-1B. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't have much of first-hand experience, but if we want to quickly take them through what is the process, what are some tips to keep in mind, what mm -hmm. would you say? Yeah, so for the H-1B process, it's a lottery system, generally speaking. In certain situations, some employers, um, what we call cap-exempt, so they don't have to deal with the whole lottery thing. Um, but that's the, mino the minority of employers. So for the most part, so when I say lottery, the reason why is because so USAIS only issues 65,000 H-1B visas per year. Mm -hmm. And then they do an additional 20,000 for those with master's degrees. So what happens is there's a lot more people who want the H-1B than there are visas available. So it creates this lottery, essentially. So the lottery, the H-1B, they actually just started this a couple years ago where they created an H-1B registration system. So every March, toward the beginning of March, USCIS opens up this registration period. Usually it's like about three weeks or so. 
And during that period, employers can need to register and they have to basically list all of the people that they want to petition for um, H-1Bs for. And then um, once the registration period closes, USCIS will do the lottery. So they'll randomly pick from those registrations. And there's not, it's not on a first come first serve basis. It's not like, well, if you register right when it opens, you have a better chance versus if you registered on the last day. It's just, they just group everyone together and then they do the draw, they do the lottery. And I, this year, it was pretty fast. I would say maybe a couple days or so after the registration period closed, they already did their first round of the lottery. And I would say, statistically, it's about a one in five chance of getting picked okay. for the H-1B. So then what happens is once the person is picked, um, they have essentially until June 30th, the employer has until June 30th to file the H-1B. And then obviously there's going to be employers who don't do the, even though they might have gotten picked, they just don't go through with the H-1B. Um, what happens is any unused H-1Bs will go back into the lottery and then they'll redo the lottery again. Right. And that could happen several times. Um, so if a person's not picked the first time around, there's still a possibility that they might get picked, you know, in the subsequent lotteries. I mean, I think the chances are get lower and lower right. <laughs> as the lotteries, you know, go on. But um, but bid for it. There yeah. Still, still there's a chance. Still, there's still a chance. You never know. Yeah. But you do have to register every year. Oh, correct me if I'm wrong, Lynn. Somebody who comes on H-1B visa, their timeline to get a green card is eight to ten years. Could be longer. It depends on what country they're from. India. For India, very long time. So for somebody from India, you're looking at, depending on, so there's different categories of green card for employment-based. So there's, um, you know, EB1, EB2, EB3, um, yeah, different categories. But most Indians will fall into EB2 or EB3. Okay. So EB2 is for um, where the job typically requires at least a master's degree or a bachelor's plus five years of experience. Okay. That's usually the EB2. EB3 is where the job requires at least a four-year bachelor's degree okay. or equivalent, like an equivalent to a U.S. bachelor's degree. So for like the EB2 category for India, you're looking at about eight years. Um, for the EB3 category, you're looking at about 10 years. It's a long time. It's a long time. Yeah. And then they can't petition for their parents until they first get their own green card and become a citizen. Correct. They have to be citizens. To petition, petition right. So then it, it adds up a couple of years, like three to five years after that, once you get your green card. Um, you can bring your wife, your spouse mm -hmm. with you, and that would be a dependent H4, H4 visa? Yes. Yep. On the H1B. Yep. So now here's the interesting part. Now, let's say your husband gets a job, he gets selected for a work visa, and you want to come with them. You will come on a dependent visa. Now, this dependent visa can allow you to work. But for you to work, your husband's company has to first petition for you. Now, for this process to start, that could take a little bit of time. Whenever, whatever time they take, after that, the petition starts. After the petition starts, how much time does it take, Lynn, for, for the dependent to get their work visa? Now, this is from the time the employer actually starts the green petition. card process yes. for the employee. Probably about, it could be a year and a half or so. Wait, so the, the dependent visa holder, the spouse gets the work permit only when the employer agrees for the green card process to be started. Yes. So if the employer says, hey, I want you here for 10 years, but I don't care that you get a green card or not, then the spouse or the dependent never gets to work here. Correct. And in how many cases would you say the companies who bring the employees from India or other countries are open to get the green card process going? I think a lot of them are. A lot of them um, are. Yeah. 
I, I think a lot of them are. Um, but the timelines could be very long. They can be. They, yeah. Yes. Because, For them to yeah. even start the process. Yeah, exactly. So like with the H-1B, I'm just backing up just a little bit. So the H-1B is a, is a specialty occupation visa. For the most part, like generally like the clients that I deal with, they're, um, it's usually the, you know, jobs that require at least a four-year equivalent to a U.S. bachelor's degree. So it's like, you know, software engineering, uh, finance, things like that, architects, so things like that. Um, so with the H-1B visas, they're good for three years at a time, with the six years being the maximum amount of time that you can be on an H-1B. And if, depending on if the employer starts a process for the green card, depending on kind of where they are in the process, you could con- the person could continue to renew the H-1Bs H-1B beyond the six years if certain circumstances are met. So usually this is going to apply to people from India because it's taking so long to get the green cards. Exactly. So like if it's taking 10 years to get the green card, the only way that you can continue on your H-1B beyond the six-year period is if the employer has started the green card process. Got it. For so you. in those six years, they have to start the process. Yes. Okay. Within that, yep. So once the green card process for your spouse has started, and then of course you as a dependent has started, is when then your petition for work permit comes in. So the wife has to wait anywhere from, I mean, the best case scenario is one year, which I don't think is possible. We're looking at that in two to three years. <laughs> uh, so anywhere from two to three years, 10 years. I should tell you be 10 years. Yeah, I want to be 10 years. I would say, so, so let's say the employer... Um, Let's say the, the employee gets the H-1B and the employer immediately starts the green card, like the whole p- process for the green card. When I say green card, it's very general because there's like other agencies involved before you even get to the green card stage, but just for making it simple. If the employer immediately starts that whole process, then yeah, you know, maybe year and a half, two years, then the spouse could get the work permit. But you, you know, you're, there are some employers that don't want to go through the hassle of that whole green card process until they know that the employee is a good employee. Interesting. So, you know, the employer might be like, well, you need to work for us for a year. Okay. And then we'll see. Interesting. So, so yeah. So there are a couple of cons, and this is not for you to worry about them, but to know the whole picture. You can't bring your parents. You can bring your spouse, but your spouse can't work for a couple of years. Your employer won't start your green card process right away. Um, it will take a little bit of a time. Also, you can't have a side hustle if you've come on H-1B. You cannot own a business yourself. Right. So those are other things you should be coming here because you really, this, the, the job is everything that you want to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I hope that answered some of your questions. Uh, if you have more follow-up questions, um, please let us know. Tell us in the comments. Lynn's page would also be um, you know, linked in this video. So you can always go to her directly, ask her questions. She makes a lot of ton of social media content she would love to help you with your queries but it's always um, important and easier to just get an attorney once you are at that stage where you want to make the next steps.